Well, Josh, our son Josh is really want to see it snow before he goes back to San Diego. So we should pray for snow in San Diego. <laughs> Mess them up for a while. <laughs> so if you happen to think of that, just say, ah, bless Josh with a nice little snowfall that just melts later or something. I don't know. I'm going to talk about developing a healthy appetite. Anybody in here got a healthy appetite? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, our whole family was going to be home for Christmas, so Lori had done a lot of shopping. Wow. I've never seen our fridge so full of food before. It's just full of food. And she, you know, she as a mom, she remembers all the things they like to snack on and all that. So she buys all this snack stuff and and uh then Josh and Nathan come back and Lindsay's there with us and uh they're not eating the snacks. They're not eating junk food. Something happened. They eat healthy now. So there's all this stuff that needs to be eaten. And I want to be faithful. I don't waste anything. (laughs) Waste, that's a pun almost. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) So they're eating their healthy foods and I got the chips and stuff. And it's like, oh goodness, there's a lot to go through. You can develop an appetite for good things. You can develop an appetite for bad things. You know, and we're not just talking food either. You can develop an appetite for all kinds of stuff. And uh, again, today I want to talk about developing a healthy appetite. When I went to Bible college, I think it was my sophomore year, I felt impressed to join the cross-country team. Is it because I went... Uh, you know, took out cross country in high school? No. Was it because I've just done a lot of right, uh, running? No. I, I wasn't a runner. I just felt just a compulsion that I should join the cross country team. And the school was small. They'll take anybody. You know, anybody. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Those of us who've been to Trinity Bible College understand. It's a great college to go to if you want to play sports. They'll take anybody. So anyway, um, the first week, the practices, you know, the, the thoughts going through my mind were not, I love doing this. This is awesome. The thoughts going through my mind basically were, oh God, help me get to the end of this practice. I wasn't enjoying it at all. But I just felt like, you know, God wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, made it through the week, and then the next week, and it's like, I'm starting to build some endurance now. You know what I'm saying? It's not just run until you almost die, then die at the end. I'm actually getting some endurance here. And then as I continue to run, I'm starting to enjoy this. I'm liking it. Then cross-country season is over, and I just keep running. I developed an appetite for running. I enjoyed it. North Dakota winters seemed to be cold back then. They're warmer now, but I would get everything. I didn't have the fancy sportswear stuff. You know the things like it breathes and the moisture doesn't touch your skin. No, I had like cotton stuff, okay? So I'd go out there running and, and, uh, you know, freezing face and so on. 
loved it. Yeah, I know. Some of you are thinking, what in the world? No, I did. I did. I developed an appetite for running. And uh, that was 30 years ago. Now, there have been some times over the last 30 years where maybe life got really, really busy and I kind of slacked off on running regularly. And I noticed something, that when those times came along and I kind of slacked off, my desire to run diminished. It wasn't like it was. I just It's like I didn't want to go out and run. That's happened, you know, two or three times over the last 30 years. But I liked the benefits of running. I liked being healthy. I, I liked that my mind, really, I thought more clearly when I would run. It was just, it was good for me. I could tell it really was good for me. And so I would decide, you know what, I'm just going to start again. And I'm going to start doing it regularly again. It was just a decision. And then after I would decide, and then I would just do it. You know, it wasn't necessarily the first day I really enjoyed it. But you know what would happen? The desire would return. Instead of it just being a a decision, it became a desire to do it. Now, what does that have to do with anything? In our walk with God, you may not have desires to do things that are really good for you. But if you'll make the decision to do it, and just to continue to do it, that decision will turn into a desire. And eventually it becomes a delight, where you just love doing it. We're going to talk about three things today. Developing an appetite for God. Developing an appetite for God's Word. And developing an appetite for God's will. Maybe you don't have great desires in those areas right now, but you can. It starts with a decision. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that these scriptures will just minister to your people. And Father, it is your desire that we would have life. You want us to have life. You're not wanting to burden us down with lots of things to do. You do have works for us to do, but there's life in them. And Lord, we pray we'll get what you want us to get today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this first one, developing an appetite for God, for wanting to be with God, for wanting to spend time with God. You can call it prayer, but wanting to spend time with God. Jesus, he's like the greatest example in everything, so I like to use him as an example. You know, he was... He was just in constant fellowship with his father. Constant. Look at this passage in John 14. Speaking with his disciples, Jesus said this. Actually, it was a crowd of people. It wasn't just his disciples. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. Don't you understand? I'm in the Father. He's in me. We have this fellowship. We are connected together in this life. Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. God is the one who does those miracles. But he was talking about this. They were one. And Jesus, later on, 
he invites his disciples to have that kind of a relationship with him. It's an invitation. And for all of you in this room today, Jesus invites you to have this relationship with him where you're not just visiting him, but you're connected. He is in your life. You have fellowship with him through the day. Let's go to John chapter 15. Excuse me. Starting with verse 4. And he says, remain in me. The word remain, abide, other translations say, it means continue, it means live. Continue in me, live in me, remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. That's what he said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's inviting us into this relationship with him. It's for everybody. It's not based on your IQ. It's not based on your talents. It's not based on your abilities. It's not based on any of that. And he says, live with me. Live with me. Well, Pastor Mike, I don't really have a desire to do that. I've asked him into my life. But I'm just kind of busy with life. I don't really have this big desire to spend time with Jesus just sitting at his feet and having that fellowship with him. I I don't really have that desire. I'm going to give you some profound words right now. Get out your pens or your little fingers and do your little texting thing. Don't live by your feelings. I'm probably the first person to ever say that. (laughs) If you've grown up in church, who knows how many times you've heard that. Seriously, don't live by your feelings. Okay, don't do that. There are a lot of things in life that we do and it has nothing to do with our feelings. Do you feel like going to work every day? Some of you like your jobs and some of you say some days yes, some days no. Do you go by your feelings? There's a lot of things. Do you like cleaning the house? Can't live by your feelings. Well, you can, but don't invite me over. Okay? <laughs> I don't know if I want to see it. But anyway, feelings. You know, Jesus is saying, I invite you to be close to me. I invite you to live today with me. You remain in me. I remain in you. Fruit will come. He, he invites us. And uh, we just have to make a decision. It's not a feeling. Because, again, you may not have the feeling like you don't have a strong feeling to do that. Things start as decisions. And then they can turn into desires. When uh, Lori and I started dating, it was so awkward. I was so shy. Lori, you know, beautiful. She said she would go out with me. I was terrified. Didn't know what to say. 
I don't really remember all the details. I'm sure I did a lot of praying, but other, other than that, it was awkward. So awkward that she prayed that I found out later, and she said, if he doesn't talk with me, I'm just shutting this whole thing down, man. I'm done. I was so talkative the next time we went out. <laughs> it was of God. But the point was this. I was shy. I didn't know what to say. But you know what? Our relationship developed. And it became a relationship where I could just openly talk with her, and she with me. Did you go to that movie, War Room? Anybody go to that movie? Okay, do you remember the, the lady whose husband was, he was starting to get off track, and, and so she finally decides to start praying each day, and she makes this prayer closet. Do you remember that part in the movie? Do you remember when she started praying what it was like for her? It was terrible. She didn't know what to pray, and it was just like, you could tell, it was so frustrating to her. She set aside this time for God each day. She had a place where she met with God each day, and it was just terrible. But she just kept doing it. And then you watched this, this prayer life develop into something that she so desired, and it was such communion with God. And she was learning how to pray and learning how to talk and learning how to hear from God. It started with a decision. And it grew into a desire. Her heart's desire was to spend time with God. <clears throat> I encourage you. And for, for many of you, this is a reminder and this is just a, an encouragement. You're already doing it. But for others, it may have been a struggle. Set a time. Let's get practical. The Holy Spirit will show me when I should pray. No. He will at times, yes. But you need to set a time for prayer. What's a good time? What'll work? Late at night? Jesus, I love you. No, not necessarily. I don't know. Set a time that you're going to meet with God. Don't go by your feelings when you start actually spending time with him on a where everything else is set aside and you're just spending time with him don't go by your feelings this is something that will grow share your heart with him god knows your heart he knows our hearts more than we know our hearts share your heart with god man my prayer is not always always prayers of faith it's sometimes it's God, you know what I'm dealing with here. You know, you, you know my attitude. Talk with him. Just be open with him. But then learn to just wait and listen too. What if I don't hear anything? That's fine. You are giving God opportunity. You're giving him opportunity. You don't have to hear something from God. I'm a little concerned if somebody always hears something from God every time. Okay? You know, it, it can happen. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I get a little concerned because it makes me look bad because I don't always hear something from God. Anyone can develop an appetite for God. Anybody can. God made it so that anybody can do it. But it does start with a decision. And then it's like you keep that decision. I will spend time with God. And then it'll grow. Well, point two. Develop an appetite for God's word. I probably talked about that a time or two throughout the year. Develop an appetite for God's word. 
Why is God's word so important? Look at this verse here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. It's in the New Living Translation. It's, it's an end of a verse. It says, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So it's basically saying, now that you have met Jesus, experienced his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Before that, the, the verses just before that, tells us what we should be doing now that we have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Do you know what the first part of the verse is? Yeah, some of you are nodding your heads. Let's, let's take a look at that. Here's the first part of the verse. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. You must desire, crave pure spiritual milk. Okay? What is this pure spiritual milk? It's talking about God's word. It's, the New American Standard translation says, says it this way. Long for the pure milk of the word. Okay, so look at this. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment as a baby cries for milk. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. He's touched your life. Now. Desire his word so that you can grow. Prayer is good, but prayer is not really what makes us grow spiritually. Fasting is good, not during Christmas season, but fasting is good. But it's not really what makes us grow. Do you know what makes us grow spiritually? Just reading God's word. I didn't hear that. I'll ask later. (laughs) I love Paul. (laughs) we're to crave pure spiritual milk long for the pure pure milk of the word Pastor Mike I don't really desire to read God's word I mean I like his word but I don't really desire to read it well your spirit is crying out for you to read God's word you may not hear the if you're born again, the spirit of Christ dwells in you, okay? And your spirit is alive. You may not hear it, but it is saying, "Please give me something to grow on." Well, how about another series of gun smoke? No. No. Give me something to grow on. Give me some nourishment. Your spirit so wants the word of God. The Holy Spirit, if you can hear his voice, he's saying, please, give me something to work with here. Read God's word so I can take it and start washing you and start directing you and start correcting you. Give me something to work with. Jesus just invites us. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't force things. He invites us. If you don't have a desire to read God's word on any sort of a consistent manner, that's okay. It's okay. Just make a decision. I'm going to start reading his word. Why? So that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. 
God's got so much he wants to do in us. And there's so much he wants to do through us. But we have to grow. See, growing older is not the same thing as growing up. You can grow older as a Christian. but <laughs> No, John, it's not the same, okay? Growing older. How many of you know somebody that they keep growing older, but they're not really growing up? Okay, no pointing, but just raise your hand, okay? It's the same way in the kingdom of God. There are, there are Christians, they're growing older, but they're not necessarily growing up. Jesus loves them. He died for them. He prays for them. But he also wants them to grow up. And so, it's a decision. Let's look at this verse here. Why should we start reading God's word? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16, New Living Translation. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful. God's word is useful. I like useful things. Something came completely off track. I don't know who did this, but somebody gave me a snap-on wrench for Christmas, and they didn't sign it. You know, I, Remember that message I gave about snap-on and so on? I got an awesome wrench now, but they didn't sign it. So whoever gave me that snap-on wrench... Tell me. It blessed me. I did get oil on my hands, though. That thing was all oiled up. (laughs) All right. That had nothing to do with this message. All scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true. Well, I know what's true. Well, it better line up with God's word, or it isn't true. He will teach us what true is. When I became a new Christian, there were all kinds of things that I thought were true that I found out weren't. I was sure that I knew what some things were. And I started reading God's word and what God's word said and what I thought were two different things. You can be born again and be believing lies. You can When you start reading God's word, he says, this is what's true. It's even about yourself. You know, I believed all sorts of negative things about myself. I started reading God's word. His word was telling me different things. He was telling me things, you know, the the value in my life and the purpose in my life, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I didn't necessarily believe that before, but his word was showing me what was true. So, he'll teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I'm going to prophesy. Thus saith the pastor, there are some things that are wrong in your lives. I see the look of shock all over. (laughs) I'll start listing them if you want. (laughs) No, I won't. (laughs) No, that's okay, we'll pass. There's things wrong in my life. God is constantly working in us. His word will will put things in the right order. And I am thankful for that. I think it's awesome that God cares enough about me that he will show me in a way that I can grasp and that I can handle things that need to be fixed in me. I'm thankful. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out 
and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way. Listen, this is God's way. This is not a small thing. This is the way he has chosen. This is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. It's huge. It's God's way. Well, I don't desire to read his word. That's okay. Just decide to read his word. Just decide to. That decision will turn into a desire. Well, pastor, I don't read I don't like to read that much. Listen. Listen to God's word. Okay, if you're not a great reader, if you don't hardly ever read anything, that's okay. Listen to God's word. You don't get it on audio. It'll speak to you. It'll do the work. Yeah, that, that work, that's fine. It's not like God said it has to be this certain way. We grow spiritually by reading God's word. There are some awesome long-term results of being in God's word. Long-term results. Now I know as, you know, we kind of like things to happen quickly. <laughs> good, that was good. That's a good comment. Come on. How many of you get irritated if you just miss one section of a revolving door when you go into a building? Because <laughs> Bethany has it all planned out. She, has, she plans everything out. We, we want things, we like instant. You know, instant this, instant that. We're just, we've, we've become that way. In the kingdom of God, salvation is instant. But the rest of it isn't. It's a process. Well, I want to speed it up. Oh, well, you can. Read God's word. <laughs> Spend some time with him. It'll speed it up some. All right. Where was I? Um, long-term results. I'm reading through Psalms right now in my devotional time. And yesterday I read Psalm 37. Take a look at this. There's a lot of good things in Psalms. It says, The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart, and his feet do not slip. That's good stuff. Now, the, the pivotal point with me was 31. The law of his God is in his heart. The word of God is in his heart. And what is the result of that? I'm just going to say that everything in that verse really pivots on that point where God's words are in this man's heart, this person's heart. That he's, he's growing in righteousness. Why? Because he's such a good person? No, but God's word's getting in his heart and it's working on areas. So that we're becoming more like him. And also, this person, when they speak, their words are filled with wisdom. When they talk with their kids, there's wisdom that's coming. When they talk with others, there's wisdom that's coming. Why? Because God's word is in their heart. And the counsel of God is coming out of them. He speaks what's just. I like that. And the last one, this person's feet are not slipping. There's like, there's a, you know, there's a traction there in their life. They're not just spinning their wheels. On my truck, I didn't want to buy new tires this spring, so I had the studs pulled out so I could just keep those tires on the truck. Great for the summer. Now winter came around. 
I don't have studded tires. I don't want to buy tires this winter either. So I'm out there sliding around. For those of you who have all studded tires and great brakes, you better not hit your brakes in front of me. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. Because if you can stop on a dime, I can't. Okay? I'm kind of sliding around this winter. But that's okay because I'm an awesome driver. But anyway, I'm sliding around. Lori's car, love that car. That car's got such great traction. You know, the all-wheel drive thing. I mean, I love it. Her car would be the example of this verse. My truck would be the example of not following this verse. It's great to not slip. And he's talking about slipping into sin. Slipping into the things that can be you know, destructive to our lives and other people's lives. The, the word of God in your heart is huge. It's huge. You can develop an appetite for God. Anybody can. Just decide. You can develop an appetite for His Word. Just decide to start reading it or listening to it and it will turn into a desire to do it. It will. It will. Well, the last one is develop an appetite for God's will. Develop an appetite for God's will. Again, I want us to look at the words of Jesus. He, uh, this is the situation where the woman is at the well and Jesus comes. Yeah, actually, he comes and then the woman comes. His disciples had left and he's talking with her. They come back. Uh, scripture says that Jesus had been tired, so he rests, sits down at the well and rests. And the disciples come back. And that's where this starts, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Man, you were tired when we left. There's some food. Eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And as brilliant as they are, just like we probably would have responded the same way, they said, could someone have brought him food? What's this food he has to eat that we didn't know? Who snuck him food? And then Jesus clarifies. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's my food. And to finish his work. New Living Translation uses the word nourishment there. My nourishment. The thing that energizes me and gives me strength is to be doing the will of my Father. Man, when I get up and I'm going through this day and I'm just wanting to be in his will. Just following his will. It gives me strength. And to finish the work that he... Everyone in this room, God has given you things. He has things planned for you to do with the life he's given you. And I want everybody here to be able to say, I finished it. I want you to be able to say that. Well, my life is no big deal. No, your life is a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God. Well, I don't have all the talents that other people have, so I don't have a lot of talents either. But I'm just going to use the ones he gave me. You know, <laughs> what else can you do? I'm not pastoring a church of 30,000 people. I don't have those talents. I want to be here anyway because you guys are the best, really. You are the best. No, your life is important to God. 
And he so wants you to know his will. And he wants you to walk in that. And he wants you to finish the thing that he gave you to do. And what might not seem really important to us can be really, really important to God. There's some things that we do that we don't think are that big of a deal, but God has used them to do amazing things. And we may not even be aware of it. But let's just, let's walk in his will as best we know it. Energized. As we read God's word, we get to know his will. You don't have to guess. What is the will of God? Be kind. Oh. What else is the will of God? Serve people. Oh. What else is the will of God? Forgive. Oh. Well, what else is the will of God? Learn to love. Those things are all the will of God. They are. And as, as we know his will, he helps us to do his will. He doesn't just sit back and see what we do with what he gave us. He's in us. He is in us. Let's close with this verse here. And I do mean close with this verse here. I've tricked you before, but I think I mean it this time. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And this verse goes on to say in in another place. (laughs) I thought I was going to this slide. Philippians 2. There's no way out of that. Let's just move on. Continue to work out your salvation. Who in here has been saved by the precious blood of Jesus? You've been given a new life in Christ. Raise your hand. Yeah, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. All right. God offers that to everybody. He says, now, continue to work out. He doesn't say work for. Because we are saved by the grace and favor and the kindness and the love of God. Through what Jesus has done for us. We can't work for that. Okay. We can only receive that, humbly receive it. But, once we have received the gift of salvation, he says, now, I'm in you. Let's work this thing out. The Spirit of God is in you. Now let's work this thing out where your life is starting to become more like the one who lives in you. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, reverential awe. What does that mean? Why should I be afraid? Well, the Apostle Paul says, you you do know who's in you, right? He's pretty big. He's pretty awesome. He's God. And he reigns over everything. That's who's living in you. Ooh. (laughs) Okay, that's what he's talking about. Realize, who is it that lives in you now? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. New Living Translation, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you. It's not all you. You're just submitting to him. You're just saying, okay, I'm going to take myself out of the way. Now what is your will? And please help me to do what your will is. Develop an appetite for the will of God and see what it does in your family see what happens at your work see what happens 
wherever. Deciding to do God's will will turn into a desire to do God's will. So, I'm ending with not a verse, but my thoughts. If you decide to spend time with God, it will turn into a desire to spend time with God. It may not start that way, but it will turn into that. If you decide to read God's word on a consistent basis, listen to his word on a consistent basis, it will turn into a desire to do it because you're developing an appetite. When I kept running, I had this appetite. When I backed off, the appetite went away. But then I decided to run again, and the appetite came back. It's, it's a spiritual thing too. If you decide to be in God's will, it'll turn into a desire to be in His will. Isn't God's word good? Isn't it awesome? So how do I close this service? Not with another scripture, because you'd all laugh, so I'm not going to do that. Let's stand. I'll have the worship team come.